0: So we're reading from uh, my namesake, Philippians, and uh, the first, this is page 1179, actually. Um, We're starting off with the heading of uh, Life Worthy of the Gospel. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit The next heading is imitating Christ's humility and it's all the ifs. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his Lord, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen.
1: Thanks, Phil. G'day, everyone. Into the uh, third week of this series and thinking through uh, Philippians and this topic of shining like stars, what it looks like to live as God's people on this earth. Uh, when I was growing up with my big brother, Sam, We used to love watching this TV show called The Power Rangers. As everyone, everyone remembers Power Rangers, right? Yeah, it's been happening for like for decades, right? TV show, it's amazing. So we we used to love watching the Power Rangers. We we loved to dress up as the Power Rangers. We had these Power Ranger action figures. I had like four T-shirts that had pictures of Power Rangers on them. You know, like when I grew up, I was going to be a Power Ranger, and that you know is still a great desire of mine. But I, I see some problems with that now. Um, But we wanted to be the Power Rangers, we wanted to live like them. Our lives as young boys were very much shaped by our love of the Power Rangers and it came across in our actions. We know this now because we were hearing a story from mum the other day saying that she was just standing at the kitchen window looking outside after Sam and I had been watching an episode of the Power Rangers and Sam and I, you know, wanting to be these crime fighting legends. And these kung fu warriors, like the Power Rangers, went outside, picked up sticks, and proceeded to beat the living daylights out of each other. Mum made us stop watching Power Rangers pretty soon after that. It was a bit, I was a bit sad, but looking back I understand now why she did this. We were trying to replicate the Power Rangers. Sam and I loved them so much, wanted to be like them so much, that we tried to replicate them in our actions. Well, today as a congregation, we are thinking about what it looks like to live in light of what Jesus has done for us, in light of loving him and following him and wanting to be like him. So let's pray. Let's ask that God would help us this morning to understand what this looks like in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have to open up your word. We pray that you would teach us from it. That you would grow us in our knowledge and our understanding of what it looks like to live as your people on this earth as followers of Christ, Amen. Well, if you look at Philippians chapter one verse twenty-seven, it says this. Paul begins begins this part of scripture with these words. It says, "Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ." Now, I don't know how you feel when you read this verse. But at first glance, for a Bible-reading, Bible-believing Christian, I think it kind of seems like a bit of an oxymoron. That is, humanity and worthiness. They're never really two things that go together in the Bible that well. I mean, if you go back to the start of the Bible and read through Genesis, we hear of humanity's rebellion against God as their rightful king. And then things just seem to escalate from there as humanity tries but fails again and again to be worthy as they again and again rebel against this God that loves them, choosing to disobey him and living damaging, rebellious lives against him. There's a book in the Bible called Judges. And in that book, again and again, the Israelite nation, that is the nation that God first chose to be his people, they turn to God, but then turn away again as they fall to the allure of power, of money, of sex and prosperity of false gods. And then they only turn back when God shows them their rebellion, shows them their need for him. But then it happens again, this constant rebellion, constant turning away from God and then turning back to God and away from God and back to God. The Bible story seems to be this loop of unworthiness. And certainly when we look around the world today, we can see a lot of people who've done horrible things. We can see a lot of people who call themselves Christians who have done horrible things. In our own lives, We can see an unworthiness. We can see faults, things that we do wrong. So why this call to live in a manner worthy of the gospel? What does it mean for us to live this way? The first thing I'd like to say by way of answering this is to say that Paul's call to the Philippians to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel is in no way telling the Philippians that they need to prove their worthiness, that they need to earn their salvation and their relationship with God. That would be a really sad and horribly misleading assumption to make, an interpretation of this passage. The second thing I'd like to say is that Paul's call for the Philippians to live in a manner worthy of the gospel actually comes from an assumption that Paul makes about the Philippians. If you've got your Bibles in front of you, if you turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, just over the page, Paul says this to the church in Philippi. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul's assumption is that the Christians in Philippi have their citizenship in heaven secure. That is to say, their place as being a part of God's people into eternity is secure. And when we read of the call to the Philippians to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, we need to understand something. We need to actually understand who the gospel is for as we're thinking through this idea. See, the gospel, it's not for the worthy people. The gospel is for the unworthy. That is, the gospel is for those who are helpless to do anything about their state before God. I heard a story a while ago about someone who grew up on a dairy farm. And on this dairy farm, there were a lot of cows, you know, because it was a dairy farm. Uh, but anyway, one, one day this, this guy, when he was a child, he was standing at the fence to one of his father's fields on this farm. And in this field, wasn't particularly inviting, because you see, all, all the waste from the dairy farm would go through this drain and just be dumped in this field. I won't go into too much detail about what that looked like, except to say, like, it was muck and slime, like, it was pretty unpleasant. And on this particular day, it was, it was quite hot. And this unpleasant mess that had slowly been growing and growing over a span of about 20 or so years had managed to form, on this nice warm day, a crusty, hard surface over the top of it. Now, this guy's older sister, he saw uh, she saw this crusty surface and she thought, Great! A challenge! And she proceeded to walk across this muck that had just formed over years of dairy farm-accumulated, disgusting mess. Now, the sister, she started out okay. She was walking, walking across the field. She got about halfway across before realizing something. That she'd actually started to sink. Her steps became harder. She was kind of pulling her boots out of this muck and poo and slime until her boots and her legs got pretty much swallowed up, followed by a part of her body as she kind of slipped and scrambled her way, trying to find a way back through this muck and this slime. And at this point, her younger brother at the fence started to panic, so he yelled for his dad to come and help. And upon hearing his son and daughter's cries for help, the father, without another thought, just ran over, vaulted the fence into this muck and disgusting, poo-infested field, sludged his way over to his struggling daughter, picked her up and took her back over to the right side of the fence, being covered himself in all this disgusting muck, and then hosed her off, cleaning her, of all this stuff that was on her. When it comes to humanity, the Bible tells us that this was the position that we were in. We were stuck in this messy sin, in rebellion against God, without a hope of getting ourselves out of that situation, out of that field, like that guy's sister. And even if we did, I don't think the guy's sister would have been allowed back into the house in the state that she was in. Well, we couldn't be with God in the state that we were in either. And that's what makes this passage that we've read today so amazing. Because what we're told here today, in chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, is that God came into this world of sin and muck that we had brought about in our rebellion. And He did more than just pull us out of that field. He took our sins, put them on Himself so that we would no longer have the burden of dealing with that sin, with that muck. Because he dealt with it through his death on the cross, paying the price for our sin on our behalf, making it possible for us to be with him. So Paul's assumption in Philippians is that the Christians in Philippi have a guaranteed citizenship in heaven with their Saviour because of what he has done for them. So Paul's call to the Philippians to live in a manner worthy of the gospel is to say that as you have been saved, as you have received the gospel and now have your citizenship secured in heaven, you should live like it. You should live that way today. From verse 27, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. Paul's call to the church in Philippi to act as citizens of heaven. Um, and we can draw out two ways that this happens from these verses, that they're called to live. The first is that this has an effect on how they are to act towards one another. And secondly, this has an effect on how, they are to, how to act towards those who oppose them, to act towards those who oppose the gospel. See, the Philippians here are called firstly to the unity that the gospel brings. They're called to stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul wants to know that this is something they're doing together, that they're partnering in, alongside with him that is the Philippian citizenship in heaven it's not singular but plural they're part of God's people that's something that they are together and they are to strive together in this way for the faith of the gospel and it's striving together for the faith of the gospel that has an impact on the way they act towards those who oppose the gospel those who oppose the message of the gospel going out In the world today, when we think of North Korea at the moment, we know that Christians are persecuted in ways that we couldn't even begin to fathom here in Australia. Christians in North Korea are murdered, tortured for their faith. Yet we still hear these amazing stories of people who aren't Christians but have fled from North Korea, becoming Christians and then trying to return there with the hope that they may be able to share the gospel with the lost there and see some saved. See, those people know that their citizenship is in heaven, and that's what drives them to do this. They know that their eternity is secure with God, and so they bravely take the gospel where it is most hated in order that others may have their eyes opened and be saved. Paul says, verse twenty-nine and thirty: For it has been granted to you, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. These Christians who are wanting to return to North Korea to take the gospel there—they know this truth, this reality of persecution and of suffering, but they know the even greater reality of their eternity with God being secure. That's the same mindset that we have here as a church the church in philippi is called to act as citizens of heaven through the unity of the gospel and in their attitude toward those who oppose the gospel but how does this come about though as those who already have their future secured in christ how do we know what this kind of living looks like and that's in point two in christ's example I shared the story at the start of this sermon of my brother and I having this big obsession with the Power Rangers, of our desire to be like the Power Rangers because we love them so much. Uh, well, Paul in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded Having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind, is the unity. Then in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Those whose citizenship in heaven is secure, those who know Christ and what he has done for them, Seek to be like him as they live on this earth, as they live together. Seek to be like Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, who humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I don't think it's news to uh, us to that many people here that I'm an uncle, right? I tell a lot of people about my little niece, Evie. She's very cute. She's about one and a half now. And she had surgery this week to have a little lump removed from her eyebrow. It's okay, she's okay. But as I was thinking about this during the week, I was thinking about just how reliant Evie is as a one and a half year old. How reliant she is on her mum and dad to look after her, to feed her, to change her nappy, how reliant she was on doctors to operate on her well, to administer the right medication. She had to rely on other people because she is weak, she's defenseless. But doesn't it strike you to think that God came down to this earth as fully human and had a mother and father who looked after him, who fed him when he was hungry, who changed his nappy, who would carry him around as a baby because he couldn't walk, It doesn't get much more humble than the God who created the universe coming down to this earth in this way as a human, as Jesus. And then growing up as a human, dying for humanity's curse that he'd had no part in creating. What Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 9, it's actually an allusion to another part of the Bible, to Isaiah chapter 53, where we read of the obedient servant, who went willingly to his death, like a lamb led to the slaughter. It says this in Isaiah 53, verse 5 to 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, Jesus came to put the interests of others before his own. And he did this by becoming little. By becoming a servant that was obedient to death, even death on a cross. The most publicly humiliating and excruciatingly painful way that the the Romans could think to kill someone. Jesus did that. And by doing so, he took our place in the firing line, took that muck and slime of sin from us, bore God's holy wrath on himself in our place, so that we would no longer be seen as unworthy to be with God, but so that we could know Him and be in a restored relationship with our Creator. When Jesus was on the cross dying in pain and anguish, He didn't look down at the crowd before Him full of people who were mocking and scorning Him, full of people whose place He was taking on the cross. He didn't look at them and then say, you guys better earn this, what I'm doing for you right now. The gospel according to John tells us that Jesus said it is finished. It's the same when Jesus looks at you and he looks at me. He doesn't go, earn this, earn what I've done for you. He says, it is finished. You don't need to earn what I've done for you. You can be with me into eternity. Your sins, your impurity, that is dealt with. You can be citizens of heaven. I've made it possible for you to be there. Put your trust in me. Follow me. And if this is news to you this morning, please don't sit still with that news, but do something about it. Come and talk to Mike or myself or the friend who brought you and we can think through what it might look like for you in your life. Jesus shows us that citizens of heaven seek to put the interests of others before themselves like he did for us. He shows what true humility and service and gospel living looks like to perfection. Shows self-sacrifice, but not pointless self-sacrifice. I think it's important to make that distinction. Jesus wasn't a mat to be walked over. If you've ever read through any of the Gospels, you see a man who holds others to account, who isn't afraid of telling people they're wrong, someone who stuck up for the little guy, someone who had immense power, who commanded creation with his words, who could heal the sick, who could even raise the dead. Christ's example to us is purposeful sacrifice. And we've talked about that today already. His sacrifice means that we can have life. And we are not called to purposeless faith and living. There is purpose in us wanting to share Jesus with others as well. Because if we are striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, that means striving side by side for something that is not just insular and exclusive. It's a message for everyone. It's a message that we want to share because to hide that message and not to share it is not to act in the best interests of others. Of those who haven't heard the gospel, who don't know Jesus. I mean, if you saw someone about to hit by, about to be hit by a bus, you'd, you'd probably want to say something or do something, wouldn't you? Christ's sacrifice shows us how to act toward people who don't know him. And it shows us how to act towards one another also, those who do know him. Out of humility and service, as we obey the call of God to live as his people, unified by the gospel. Those who were citizens of heaven are called to live like it by seeking to be like Christ. who put the interests of others before himself so that we would be saved. Verse 9 goes on, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The one who shows us the way to live is Lord of all creation and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess he is Lord. And it's our Lord who is ruler of all, who is our King, who shows us how to live not for personal gain, but for the interests of others, as he showed us. Those who are citizens of heaven are called to live like it by seeking to be like Christ. Now, this can look like a variety of responses, and we're going to look at a few of those now in point three, our response. Firstly, seeking to be like Christ in our actions means that we want to know and understand the gospel and we want to let that be what unifies us and shapes how we act. It seems easy in theory, I think, to strive together for the faith for the faith of the gospel, to be unified. It's kind of like the coach of a sporting team in a movie calling his team to be unified. You know, on one last push to get that gold medal, it's motivating and provocative. And we're like, yeah, yes, it really sounds good. It's something I want to jump on board with. But when push comes to shove... Is that really something we're truly willing to do together? I mean, when life gets busy and hard, when tensions start to rise, when misunderstandings eventuate, when words spoken in anger slip out, how will we respond to one another during these times? What will outsiders see when they look into our church? Will it be people who act toward one another out of love and unity of the gospel? Or people who are angry, who are frustrated at one another? who people put aside the gospel in order to satisfy our own selfish pride. I'm not saying this is something that happens here. It's not something I see here. But we are human and we do sin. So if this does happen, how will we respond? How will we act? Secondly, seeking to be like Christ in our actions means that we act out of humility and service to one another. Are you someone who seeks to put the interests of others before yourself? A good way to answer this question is to think about why you come to church on a Sunday, to think about what you do while you are here. And when you come to church on a Sunday morning, wherever that may be, if you're just visiting us from another church today, do you seek to put others' interests before your own? And do you do it to be noticed? Because if you do... I think maybe you should rethink why you were doing it the logistics team here <clears throat> they get here at 8 a.m every sunday morning and they set up this space for us to use and then they pack it up again often without saying a word with no grumbling they do it to serve the interests of all of us here making this space usable for us as we meet as a church I could use almost any example of the teams we have here at Grove that serve on a Sunday morning. Even of people who, when they're not on a roster doing something, still come to Grove to seek to serve others and show love to others, who give up time and energy to serve. And I want to say that this is something I find really amazing and encouraging about coming to church here. Something that spurs me on as I see how many of you guys seek to put others before yourselves in the way that you serve on a Sunday and during the week. So let's continue to do this together, putting the interests of others before our own interests. Thirdly and finally, seeking to be like Christ in our actions means that we want others to know God and we want others to exalt His name above their own. Verse 11 in Philippians 2 reminds us that Jesus is Lord, that every knee on heaven... And on earth will bow before him and tongue confess his lordship. As his followers, but we want other people to follow him too and to know his name. We want them to know of his saving grace, of his sacrifice for our sins, that others might be saved too. That more people may lift up God's name above their own, seeking to serve him above all else. We want others to flock to the unity of the gospel to live as people who have been saved, whose place is in heaven and whose place is secure. Because those who have their citizenship in heaven secure, they seek to be like Christ and they want others to know him as well. So why don't we pray that this might be the case and let's thank God that we can know him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us shown through your son Jesus. Thank you for the perfect example Christ is, showing us how we are to live on this earth in light of what you have done for us. Pray that you would help us to live for you in everything we do, knowing that our citizenship in heaven is guaranteed and is secure in the one who loves us. And help us to share this message with those who desperately need to hear it. Amen.